0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Clubhouse Talk. Brad, I think we might need to rename Clubhouse Talk to the uh, the Tennessee Nebraska Therapy Session because this is starting to become really. Yeah, it uh,
1: it's been a brutal few weeks for the two of us. Um, both of us are on losing streaks now. Um. And we don't like that, not not one bit around here.
0: No, it's uh, you guys are still pushing for that sixth win. Tennessee has not looked very good the last couple of weeks. Um, it just has not been our uh, not been the best time in the month of November for football for us on our on our personal teams. But there has been a whole lot of good football that we will. Absolutely break down. I'm gonna go ahead and preface this out to uh all the listeners out there that apologies if the uh quality of this particular episode's down. I am uh currently sitting in my grandparents' basement recording this podcast. So hopefully the Wi-Fi and everything else works out here and it's uh it's not too laggy and, and, and works okay. But nonetheless, we'll uh we'll jump into it so. Uh, Brett, what actually what are you doing for Thanksgiving this week? What's the uh, what's the plans for the fam for you?
1: You know, just going over to my grandma's house here in Omaha and meeting up with my family and watching some football and eating some turkey. Even though turkey is probably my least, fit. you know what, Kylie? Actually, I'm going to ask you this question: What is your favorite Thanksgiving meal? I guess side. And we'll include turkey as a side. So what's your, what's your favorite part of a Thanksgiving meal?
0: Like favorite piece of the meal. Okay. Um, it is probably – well, normally I would say it is a, a hash brown casserole that my mom likes to make, although we're not making that this year. Apparently we're holding it off until Christmas for that one. So no hash brown casserole for me at Thanksgiving this year. Uh, it is probably – my grandmother's green jello. I, I don't know how else to describe it other than that it is like this atomic green colored jello with uh, nuts in it and it's it's always delicious every single year. Um huh. that's probably my favorite one that I'm lo- looking forward to uh, this nuts. year. What about you? It. Yeah, jello with a uh, little pecans in it. Ooh, uh, if I'm it's also pecans, all-
1: I'm in for that.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's some good stuff. Um I'll, I'll have to send you a picture of it, Brad, because it, I don't know how else to describe it other than it, we, we call it green stuff, green jello, atomic jello, all, all affectionate names are a household for my grandmother's fantastic side dish that we have both at Christmas and Thanksgiving. Um, Also, a big, big fan of butternut squash casserole. That That's probably the mm-hmm. other one if I had to pick one.
1: Butternut squash is money. Um, what about you? That's your question. My, my favorite side dish, I'd have to say, and this might be a little controversial. I think it's stuffing or dressing, depending on what part of the country you live in. Um, I think that's probably my favorite, to be honest.
0: If there's, I know there's, there's one correct answer. What's what's what do you it's, call it? It's it it's dressing.
1: Okay. Well, in Nebraska, we call it stuffing.
0: Um, You're just wrong. It's okay.
1: I mean, I I I I, I get both ways. I, I understand it. But usually, you you stuff the turkey with it. You don't you don't stuff something with with dressing. You stuff it with stuffing.
0: We do not stuff our turkey with it.
1: Really, I don't think yeah, we it's do. Made on the side. I that's traditionally. Yeah, I think that's traditionally why why they call it that.
0: Well, that's certainly not how my family makes it. But no, I I am a big fan of big fan of dressing and uh, little little turkey gizzard gravy on top. Good stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, that is that is good too. Yeah, I know everyone else is. Uh, we're
0: we're starting to make people hungry. Hopefully, you're listening to this here, uh, uh, either before your Thanksgiving meal, or uh, maybe it's maybe it's a Friday after, and you're getting this in before the games this weekend. But uh, we do wish everybody out there a, a wonderful Thanksgiving break. Let's but let's go ahead and jump into the games from last week. And first things first, uh, let, let's start with. Let's go to the Michigan Maryland game, Brad. I frankly did not see a single snap of this game. I only saw the highlights of it, but this was way closer than anybody originally anticipated to be. Michigan went the game thirty-one to twenty-four. Um, the only points in the fourth quarter was a was a safety for Michigan, but this game was uh, a little bit closer. And really, it's the first time all year we've seen Michigan genuinely struggle with an opponent.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um Little Tua, uh, I'm not even gonna attempt to pronounce, pronounce his name correctly. Um he looks pretty good actually.
0: Um, Talia Tonga Yeah.
1: He uh, he looked really good though. He I think he found holes in Michigan's defense that no other team's been able to exploit this year. Um and then to that credit their their defense Maryland's defense credit they, they stacked up fairly well against Michigan's offense, which is another thing we really haven't seen. Uh, Michigan hasn't had a ton of of close games this year. Um, So it's kind of nice to see this for a little nice change of pace.
0: I do have to think that uh, this game probably had a little bit of a look-ahead spot for Michigan, obviously, with with the, the game. Coming up this week against Ohio State, you gotta you gotta think that the Michigan players probably were looking a little bit ahead to the game this weekend, which I, I think probably attributed to the uh, to the score as well. And, and I do want to uh, preface this: we're going to go through these games. We're recording this on Tuesday before the college football playoff rankings have come out, so some of our some of our discussions tonight, as we talk about teams, might be a little bit more speculative of what we think might happen with the rankings slash what happens with the games this this last weekend of the season. Um, But Michigan, I assume, is probably going to – I think they'll hold steady there at the three-spot, Brett, with – I imagine one, two, three is going to go completely unchanged with uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, Now that will change a whole lot this weekend, obviously, after after whatever happens in in that game, which we will break down in the second half of this podcast – Let's go. Let's go to an ACC game here, Brett. This is a game that we we both picked. Uh, immediately came off the bat with a disagreement, Brett, and one of us was right, one of us was wrong. Um, not going to point out who was who unless the uh unless the listeners want to go back for it. But Louisville wins this game, thirty-eight to thirty-one over Miami. Uh, this was a, a shootout. This was a really solid uh football game. It was a whole lot of fun. Big fourth quarter comeback for Louisville. Uh, winning that fourth quarter, fifteen to three, to come back and get the job done, and Louisville clinches a spot into the ACC championship game against Florida State.
1: Yeah, um, to be honest, I didn't watch a single snap of this game, and uh, <laughs> I I guess I can't really speak to it a whole lot, but um, I rode with my guy Joe on this one, and uh, he's usually pretty good, so I, I felt pretty good about this, but. Um, I guess shouldn't really be super shocked that a ten and one Louisville or now ten and one Louisville team bit a beat in now six and five Miami team.
0: Yeah, this is this is a Miami team that all year it really has come down to what really the turnover battle kind of has determined the majority of their games. They actually won the turnover battle in this game, um by one, which I think helped keep this game close. But uh, Plummer for Louisville, the quarterback, had a really nice uh day. 308 yards in the air, three touchdowns, one pick. Tyler Van Dyke also had a really nice day uh throwing for 327 and a touchdown. It, it was just a very clean, well placed or well played football game on both sides. Um uh, Miami had a uh Hail Mary attempt there at the very end that, that got knocked down. But uh very impressive stuff from Jeff Brom in year one there at Louisville and I would probably rank him at the uh, – if you were talking about national coach of the year, I probably would put him at number two in my opinion. We'll talk about the who I would have as the number one for coach of the year in my opinion a little bit later in the segment. Hint, hint, it's a uh, Pac-12 team, but very impressive stuff in my opinion from Jeff Brom in year one.
1: No, for sure. It's definitely – he's definitely hit the ground running, and it would be nice to see – um, are interesting to see how well he's able to keep this up and if he's able to sustain success with Louisville. I,
0: I care to think he can if he's uh, been able to turn it around so quickly there. Um, not like Scott's got it, Satterfield had that place rolling before, so hopefully he can he can keep the uh keep the ball rolling there in Kentucky. So let's let's jump Brett right out to a uh, let's go to a Big 12 game. That Frank was a little closer than I expected it to be. Uh, Oklahoma beats BYU 31 to 24. Uh, this was a 24 and a half point spread. So uh, BYU well inside the number here, but a uh, 100 yard pick six for BYU kind of kept them in the, in the ballgame. Uh, but Oklahoma's doing just enough to be able to keep them. Uh, Keep themselves in the race in the uh, the Big Twelve, which we can go over later, because that is a very wild tiebreaker scenario. What's going on out there?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um BYU's been a little underwhelming this year, and I'm not saying Oklahoma by any means is a world killer. Um, but I, I was a little shocked that this game was as close as it was. Um. You know, it, I mean, I guess it was in Provo. Is that where BYU is? It's in Provo, Utah, right? Yeah, Provo. Yep. Yeah, so it was in Provo, so I guess you get home field advantage there. But still, I mean, a seven-point game um, is a little shocking to me, I guess.
0: wonder if that uh, 10 a.m. local start may have had something to do with it being a <laughs> sleepy game for yeah.
1: Oklahoma. I would imagine that has something to do with it.
0: But nonetheless, uh, you, uh, Oklahoma, it hasn't been as good ever since they uh, they knocked off Texas and they were – I think they got up to number five in the initial college football playoff rankings and dropped a couple games after that. But after that, it, they've been able to at least hold on to the wheel a little bit after they dropped those two games to uh, to Kansas and to Oklahoma State in back-to-back weeks. Uh, let's – Go, Brett. Down to no. Let's let's go to the game that or the coach that I was going to talk about. For if you had asked me for coach of the year, I, I think this is a slim dunk one. Arizona, the hottest team in the country, rolls Utah forty-two to eighteen. I want to say that we both picked Arizona in this game. This is a pretty close spread. Um, I did not think that Arizona was going to put up so many points on Utah's defense. That's for sure. But Jet Fish hats off to him a over under coming into the season of four and a half wins. And they're sitting here right now at eight and three going into the final game of the year with a very outside chance of still making the PAC 12 championship game. Just incredible stuff happening out there in Arizona.
1: I completely agree. Uh, Noah Fafita is absolutely rolling as a freshman quarterback. Uh, 18 touchdowns to only 400 receptions this year so far. And he didn't even start the year as a starter. Um, he's, he's a redshirt freshman, so I guess he has a little bit of experience at the college level um, playing in, I think, two games last year. But it's, it's pretty crazy how a change of quarterback can change your team so much.
0: You just get that one, that one leader, and you get that momentum, and the ball just keeps on, keeps rolling and rolling going forward. Um, and on the Utah side, uh, some good news for them came out over the weekend that Cam Rising announced that he's coming back for a, a seventh season. Uh, Cam Rising's freshman year was Sam Ellinger's sophomore year at Texas, which. It, to me is just mind boggling and Sam and, and to think that Cam rising's still gonna be playing football next year, just crazy stuff. But with the COVID years and the medical red shirts and everything else, you're gonna have a 24 year old or 24 year old Cam rising playing football.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely wild to me. Um I I wonder if they're what their current starter that I his name's Slipping my mind now, but I wonder what if he'll end up staying at Utah or if he'll and, and try to battle rising out or if he'll end up transferring out. There's, there's Bryson Barnes. What's that? Bryson Barnes. Bryson Barnes. That's it. Um, I mean, he hasn't been a world beater by any means this year, but he's won some big games for them.
0: He's proven more than capable. Um, he's got a really fun backstory. I believe his family. Owns a farm. I want to say it's a. I want to say it's a hog farm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's what he grew up doing. But he's uh, stepped in. He's played very, very solid for Utah this season. And in this day and age of NIL and transfer portal, it does seem like it is almost next to impossible to keep legitimate quarterback quarterback depth at the position unless they are a uh, highly touted freshman who's not expecting too much. So that will be an interesting one to watch. Because that could be a big name for a lot of schools going into the portal uh, this off season. Let's let's jump, Brett. To let's, let's rip the Band-Aid off on on team number one here, uh, and that'd be my Tennessee Vols. Georgia rolled into Neyland Stadium. They Tennessee did exactly what I said they were going to do, Brett. They got the ball first. They scored on their first drive. I didn't anticipate it for it to be play number one and go seventy five yards right up the middle on a run. But that's what they did. After that play, Tennessee gained 203 yards of total offense and scored three more points on a field goal before halftime. And that was after, That was it. They had they had a couple other plays that really I think could have got them in this game a little bit closer. But but nonetheless, Georgia dominated. Georgia rolled 38 to 10. Tennessee did not play great. Georgia is on an absolute tear right now. Um, my biggest takeaway. I don't know if you saw it in the game, Brett, but. Jordan Beck, I thought was a game manager. I really hadn't watched Georgia at all this year. That kid is so talented. He made some stupidly good throws, and Georgia's receivers caught everything thrown
1: in their direction. I 100% agree. Um, His numbers this year are, I don't want to say shockingly good because they are the number one team in the country, but he's not talked about enough. Um. And it, it kinda kinda makes me wonder, do you think he'll jump for the NFL this year? Or do you think he needs another year of film to get him there?
0: I didn't realize that he was draft eligible until people started talking about it the last like week or two. Um I, I can see him going as a day two quarterback right now. Um I, I would be interested to see what happens in the on the back end with Georgia's quarterbacks coming in with the uh, potential top recruits coming in there to to be quarterback and if he wants to compete for the job with a top quarterback and what sort of promises Kirby Smart has made but Carson Beck looks like an NFL quarterback at least what I'm I'm seeing so far I'm not saying that he's going to be a a top tier starter in the league but he certainly looks more than serviceable to be an NFL quarterback at least on the throws that I was watching on Saturday and and I think that he just doesn't get talked about enough because it's not flashy it's it's always efficient numbers. It, it's somewhere in the range of going twenty-two for thirty, throwing for he's thrown for over two hundred and fifty yards in every single game. He doesn't throw interceptions and throws anywhere between one to three touchdown passes. And then Georgia rolls, and the plays just they're not flashy play calls. And I think that that's part of the reason why he maybe doesn't get caught, talked about as much as he deservedly do, should get talked about.
1: Oh, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, his numbers are, are are pretty gaudy when you look at it. Um, I'm pulling him up right now. Sorry, I shouldn't have prepared for this, but right now, I want to he, say he's like
0: seventh in the country in passing yards. I know that.
1: Yeah, he's 3,300 passing yards, 21 touchdowns, and only five interceptions. Um, his O line's kept him pretty clean all year. He's only been sacked eight times. Um, which I can imagine for how much he throws it, that's got to be up there with the best of them. Um, and he's, he has a 72%, almost 73% completion percentage. Um, honestly, Kylie, do you know who he kind of reminds me of? Who? He, he reminds me of a, a skinnier Matt Stafford.
0: Yeah, I, I there are some Georgia people that had started talking about it, of saying that this is the closest player that they've had to Stafford since Stafford, and I think that's pro- I, I didn't believe it until I saw it in person, but I, I would agree. This guy's he's legitimately talented and he, he had no real buzz coming into the year. Um, nobody knew anything about him and the kid just shows up and gets the job done every single day.
1: Yeah. I mean, but they weren't even sure. They weren't sure if it was going to be him or Brock Vandergrift. That was going to be the starter to start the year, but I think Kirby definitely made the right decision.
0: I, I would agree. And, and, you know, just going overall, just just talking like overall overarching program with Georgia, Major hat to, to them. This was their 20 – I believe this is the 28th win in a row for them. It ties an SEC all-time record. Um, they get to set the record this week when they go and play Georgia Tech. Um, just – it's mind-boggling. I know they've played in the SEC East, and I know that they don't have – had to have Alabama on their schedule or LSU on their schedule in the regular season. But I don't care. Show up and show out and win every single game through that extended period of time is absurd in college football in a sport that is known for just chaos and teams having clunkers and just always finding a way to win those those couple clunkers that they have had really really impressive stuff from Kirby smart
1: yeah I completely agree it's 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 kind of cool to see um it might get a little old seeing all these years of Georgia dominance but He really has built something special over there.
0: It feels like like those early 2010s of the Saban dynasty is kind of what it's starting to feel like, which is uh, not so fun as another team competing with Georgia on a head-to-head basis all the time in our conference. Um, Brent, let's go to your conference and to a team that clinched its spot into the Big Ten Championship game. They were the first team to clinch – or they clinched the – uh, Big Ten West, and that would be the Iowa Hawkeyes winning a game 15 to 13 over Illinois. Once again, cashing the under for I don't know, like the 1000th straight week at this point. It doesn't matter how low Vegas sets the number, just keep betting the under, and it'll keep cashing for you every week. But, um, I, I, not too much I wanted to say here, Brad, other than that, uh, Illinois has closed your spot into the Big Ten. Or get clinched Big Ten West into their spot in Indianapolis to face the winner of Ohio State Michigan.
1: Yeah, Iowa, Iowa, definitely did that, and we got to play them this week, and we'll get to talk about that here in a minute. But, um, they they keep cashing on these unders, and that's one hilarious and two pretty impressive, honestly. Absolutely.
0: Um. Okay. Let's go. You know what, Brett, let's go to a uh, couple of sad topics here. First, let's go to Florida State. Um, Florida State loses Jordan Travis uh, early in the game against North Alabama. Um, He's going to be out for the season. My question to you right now is, what is your level of concern for Florida State when it comes to trying to – got to go on the road to Florida this week, who also is playing with a backup quarterback. And then they'll have Louisville in the ACC championship game.
1: What a scale of one to 10? What is your confidence level that,
0: that Florida State's going to be good enough to
1: win these two games? I'd say it's about a 50 50 shot, if I'm being completely honest. Um I think they get past Florida f- just because of the fact Florida's also playing with a backup quarterback. Um and uh, I I am kind of Starting to think it's going to be a real tall task to ask them to beat Louisville in the ACC championship with their backup. Um, not saying their backup's a terrible player. I haven't really watched it to be honest, but uh, I think our, I think their backups really going to need to have a special game to beat Florida State. They still do have a very solid defense, in my opinion.
0: Oh, they have a great defense. They've still got a bunch of skilled players. It's just going to be a matter of trying to get the ball to those skilled players. Um, I, I hate it. I All I got to say is this. I really, really hope that the committee doesn't do anything stupid. And if Florida State's undefeated, they better be in the playoff. If Florida State gets a left out of the playoff because you want to say that, you know, oh, what they're a different team without their quarterback – all you have to do is just go back and look at the 2014 Ohio state team that uh, that won with Cardell Jones and beat Alabama and then beat Oregon in the national championship game. You like, you just can't make that decision in my opinion. I know some people over the weekend were talking about it as would the committee drop them. And I do think that they will probably drop them this week. And I think that has more and that's more indicative to who, what Washington did, which we can talk about in a second, but I think Florida State probably drops to five, but I think if Florida State goes undefeated, that they are in, and then if they lose, I think uh, any one-loss ACC team is completely out of the playoff at this point. Really agree. Uh, this was the epitome of bad, as bad as bad gets, Brett, and that was what Auburn did with New Mexico State. They paid them one point eight five million dollars. And we are in the spirit of the holidays. It's a very giving time. And Auburn gave New Mexico State that $1.85 million to walk into Jordan Air Stadium, stadium and absolutely beat them over the head with a baseball bat and run them up and down the field. They won this game 31-10. to 10. It was 100% dominated from start to finish by New Mexico State. And I just... I'm shocked. I don't really know where this
1: came from. I don't either. It's, I mean, New Mexico State, they've really turned things around because a few years ago they were the absolute armpit of college football. Like I'm talking worse than Kansas. Um, and they've honestly they've put together a decent program right down there. Um I believe Jerry kills their coach, isn't he? Uh
0: that sounds right.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he's always been a decent coach. Like he didn't always have the best record in Minnesota, but he knows how to get the players to play for him and play his way of football. Um, but yeah, that that is absolutely brutal for the Auburn, Auburn had
0: players. two. Auburn had two drives, Brett, that went over twenty yards, and they never made it to the red zone. That's incredible.
1: That is absolutely. <laughs> I didn't watch any of that game, but. Wow. I didn't either. I, I mean, I caught the highlights.
0: It was just one of those things where I was looking at my phone while at the Tennessee game, and I was just dumbfounded by what I was what I was seeing. So, um, let's let's actually bounce back to the fact talk because we talked about Washington. I think that they are going to move up in the rankings, and that is because Washington went on the road and beat a very good Oregon State team, uh, twenty two to twenty, in a. Very nasty night out there in Corvallis. It was pouring rain. It was like 40 degrees. Just a really, really ugly night. The numbers aren't going to look great for Michael Penix, but playing in that rainstorm and throwing the ball as much as they did, I think was actually a really impressive performance. Uh, He did throw it for two touchdowns, uh, comparative to DJU, threw it for two picks. Uh, Winning that turnover battle proved to be pretty much the difference in this ballgame, and Washington – once again, survive in advance, and all they've got to do – actually, I think that they have now clinched their spot in the Pac-12 championship. It's now just a matter of um, what happens with Oregon and Arizona. We can talk about all these conference championship tiebreakers in the second segment, but uh, you are looking very good on our, on our bet, Brett.
1: Yeah, um, they have another tall task this week, um, and we'll go into that in a little bit. The Apple Cup's going to be a good one. Um, if the elements if it stays dry um, we could see some record passing between these two teams um, Washington this whole year has been able to chuck the ball over the field and they didn't really do it again last weekend but what they did do is they showed that they can run the ball a little bit uh, Dylan Johnson one of my favorite players on that team um, ran for 89 yards on 16 carries over five yards and attempt. And uh, that's pretty good night. Uh, Anytime you can get over five yards and attempt.
0: Yeah. And uh, a doomsday for, for Washington was a, was a B seven catches one Oh six and caught both of those touchdown passes from Penix. He caught seven of Penix's 13 completed passes. So he, he was the star of the show on the offense with Johnson. Those two basically did everything on Saturday night for him. Um, and, and big time win, really impressive stuff for Washington. And they are still getting very close. Um, I, I still think that they'll have to be undefeated uh to make the pa- or to make the playoff. But I do think that a Washington team could compete with anybody in the playoff. Uh you put those put those skill players in a dome. And I think that they absolutely could go up there and co- could compete with a Michigan, with an Ohio State, with an Alabama, with a Georgia, whoever you're talking about. I think that any of those teams would have trouble with that Washington team. Do you, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think if you let Washington play the way they want to play, there's a lot, or there's not many teams in the country that are going to be able to beat them. Um, they're going to want to throw the ball over the field, they're going to want to cause turnovers on defense and, you can't really beat them by their own game, if that makes sense.
0: No, you, you kind of have to, kind of have to, like keep away from it, have uh, a lot of a lot of possession time, um, keep it out of their hands, uh, make it a more physical ball game if you want to uh, want to knock off Washington. Um, one more game here to break down, Brett, and I'll, I'll let you kind of take this because I only caught, I, I literally only watched overtime of your game. Um, Nebraska falling on the road at Wisconsin 24 to 17. From what I could tell, at least, it looked like Chuba Purdy played pretty solid um, ish. Better than Jeff Sims has played, not as good as Christian Heinberg's played. But um, Chuba did run for a lot. He he threw for 169 and a touchdown. He ran for 105 on 14 carries. Um, But just not enough for Nebraska to get this one done there up in uh, uh, up in Badgerland.
1: Yeah, um I don't blame this one at all on Chuba. Chuba played good, good enough to win the game. But what wasn't good enough to win us this game was our play calling. Um not being aggressive in the fourth quarter was was and has been oh, our band of existence this year, um, our kind of lack of aggressiveness in the fourth quarter. was part of the reason we lost to Minnesota, um, kind of just held the ball and ended up fumbling and didn't have enough time to get the ball back and score ourselves. Um, in that one, um, but in this game, we basically, we had the ball, um, with three minutes left. Ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, which is fine. Removing the ball is fine. Took a few pass plays, completed them, and then we kind of just let the clock roll down and kicked a field goal and tried to beat them in overtime. And if you know anything about Nebraska's overtime record in the past 20 years, it is terrible. I think we're 2 and 21, I think, in overtime games the past 20 years, which is absolutely insane. I, I'm convinced we're first, but
0: yeah, that is, that is a wild stat.
1: Yeah, I could be a little bit off, but it's, it's something outrageous already just like that.
0: I, I might believe it. Um, I mean, just another heartbreaker, um, fourth the Oscars, which I know you guys are, uh, sadly gotten way too used to over the last five, six years on these, uh, these one score games. We got one more shot at it, Brett, to make bowl game to make your bowl game. What was it? Was it five and five and two? Was that was it five and two or five and three? Uh for what? Your record at one point. Was it five and two or was it five and three? Five and three. Yeah. So one more shot at it here. Let's let's uh let's see if we can get it done here uh, with Iowa rolling into town this week. And uh, before we jump into the next segment, my grandfather, the last thing he told me before I came down to record this podcast was he wanted a shout-out for Georgia Tech getting ball eligible on Saturday, beating Syracuse 31 to 22. Uh Haynes King had a uh okay day at the yard. He threw for 138, but he did two touchdowns. Um and he also ran the ball for eleven times for eighty-two yards and a touchdown. So a uh, pretty solid afternoon there and Georgia Tech does just enough to get themselves to a bowl game and uh oh gosh I'm trying Brent key his uh, first season there as a full-time head coach for the yellow jackets but with that Brett let's jump on over and start doing some picks first game up Brett let's go let's go to the game on turkey day um i don't know if you're going to be watching the NFL Night game. I believe it is the 49ers Seahawks, if I'm not mistaken. But personally, I'm gonna be watching this game because the Egg Bowl is a long time tradition for myself to watch. Nobody else in my family really cares all that much about it. But I personally love watching the egg bowl after I am stuffed. I have probably drank a couple of extra glasses of wine bread. But this game tends to lead to some pretty entertaining shenanigans um you've got old or you got mississippi state play or coach playing out without their head coach who they fired Zach Arnett two weeks ago um old miss coming in at nine and two trying to finish off a great season Ole miss is a 10 point favorite going to starkville on thursday night brett who do you have in this game
1: i got old miss and i got them covering the spread here as well i know it's a it's A rivalry game and rivalry games for the most part are close, but I just think Ole Miss is just so much better than Mississippi State, and the fact that a, co- a solid coaching situation, um, I think also helps. I know this game is being played in Starkville, but I don't really think that matters a ton at this point. Um, yeah, what, what about you? Where, where are you sitting now with this one?
0: I so want to think that Mississippi State is going to keep this thing close, but I just I don't see how. I, I just don't think that this team has the players for it. Um, I, I mean, maybe if uh, maybe if Will Rogers goes out there and just flings the ball all over the place, but that hasn't really been their offensive game plan this year. Um, Ole Miss, their, their two losses this year have been to Alabama and have been to Georgia, and they've both been quite handily. They have beaten everybody else on their schedule, including a very solid LSU team and a couple of other good SEC West opponents. I think that this is the exact type of game that, Lane like, Kiffin typically feasts in. I-, I got them here by by a two-touchdown margin. I think that this game might be close to halftime. You, They're almost – or Mississippi State is going to need to create some turnovers, create some uh, wild stuff. There, there's definitely going to be some nastiness to some hatred to the rivalry. But, yeah, I, I just think there's no chance um, – no chance that Ole Miss drops this game, and I, and I definitely think that Ole Miss gets the job done and covers. Let's let's move it over to Black Friday, Brett. And let's go to the game that you are gonna be at. Um, Nebraska hosting number 16, Iowa, who we mentioned just clinched the Big Ten West. So they don't necessarily have a lot to play for here other than Pride in the rivalry game. Nebraska five and six, playing for a bowl game, and I'm looking at the spread here, Brett. I think you're just as surprised as I am. Nebraska is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite coming to this game with a whopping total of 26-and-a-half points. How do you see this game happening on Friday?
1: Man, I don't even know. Um, I have the whole year I've been running against Nebraska and some weeks it's paid off. Some weeks it's have, it hasn't. So honestly, I don't even think it matters. So I'm going to go here and I am going to pick Nebraska to get bowl eligible. Um, And my only reasoning behind that is it's a home game. I think this game means a whole lot more to Nebraska than it does to Iowa. And I think, I think both teams are not very good offensively. I think both teams are going to be able to hold each other with how good their defenses are. Um, But I think Nebraska's offense, however bad it may be at times, might have a little more in the tank than Iowa's. So I'm going to go Nebraska. Not super confident. Um, I'm going to go with this dumb low score like Fourteen
0: to 10. 3 to two.
1: Can we get a three to two ball game? Fourteen to ten. <laughs> oh,
0: I, thought you I had this game. <laughs> no, no, I was just joking. Saying this game might end three to two. Um, I actually do agree with you. I think that Nebraska gets this job gets the job done. I think that they're just due for a victory. And Iowa. With their low scoring ball games, are gonna, every team's always gonna be in it. Uh, I don't think that, the, I think Nebraska's defense are good enough to keep um, Iowa's putrid offense at bay. Um, I, I can go ahead and say that I've put my hard earned money on that under 26 and a half, which is just absurd to think that that might be a good bet for this game. But I, I think this game screams 13 10, 13 7. Thirteen nine. 9. I mean, if there's more than two touchdowns in this game, I would genuinely be surprised. For where I should say two touchdowns, or if there's more than three touchdowns in this game, I'd be genuinely surprised. I think there's probably two. It's not going to be a fun one if you like offense, but if you need a good Friday afternoon nap with uh, maybe some enjoying a, a Bloody Mary or some mimosas sitting around your house, this game's at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. I think this will be a, a great appetizer for people for frankly it's a very loaded black friday which i don't remember it always being this loaded in years past especially because there's also an nfl game this year on black friday for the first time which shame on you nfl get out of the college space this is supposed to be our day not yours um let's go to another game later that afternoon that i think not a lot of people will watch I will, because I think it's going to be a blast. And this is UTSA going on the road to Tulane. Uh, This UTSA team has been a completely different football team ever since they got Frank Harris back. Tulane is fighting for that G5 uh, New Year's Six Bowl bid. Uh, Tulane is a a three-and-a-half-point home home favorite here. Who do you have in this game, Brent?
1: I got Tulane here. Um, I think both teams are – very solid. They both had really good quarterbacks. Uh, but I'm going to ride with the home team um, and the team that is ranked higher. I think Tulane wins this, and I think they get that, um, that New Year's Six berth because of it.
0: I It's going to be a good one. Um, I have UTSA in this game. I think that Frank Harris and, and company can absolutely hold points to keep up with Michael Pratt and crew. Uh, they're from uh, Tulane. I, I, I'm i not sure that they're going to win, but giving me that three and a half, that hook, the big deal. Uh, I, I think that they can keep this game and, and potentially lose by a field goal, if not win this game outright. They just, that UTSA team, I feel like just a lot of people wrote them off after they lost to Army earlier in the year. They got boat raced by Tennessee, but both of those games were without Frank Harris. Once he's been there, uh, it. It has been just like they were last year. Um, Brett, any chance that Texas loses this game of Texas Tech on Friday? Uh, I think if this game was in Lubbock, I would almost be more scared for them. But I'm, I'm frankly not very scared with this game being in
1: uh, in Austin. I don't think so. I think Texas is just just has so much stuff they, they're playing for right now. I mean potentially a berth at the college bowl playoff if things kick their way i just don't see any reason why texas tech would be the one to spoil them um so give me texas here and
0: the 12 and a half point spread for what
1: it's worth personally i wouldn't touch that spread um but for the purposes of the podcast i will take texas and the points i say they cover
0: Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. And I alluded to it in the last segment. We can kind of go ahead and break it into it a little little bit right now. Um, The the Big 12 is in a a giant tangled mess out there. So if Texas wins on Friday, they clinch a spot into the Big 12 championship game. If they win, which we both are assuming they will, that obviously leaves one spot left. Oklahoma State would be the team that controls its own destiny. Oklahoma State would, if they win, they're in. If they lose, then Oklahoma. If they won, would get in. And then I want to say I think it's Kansas State is after them. Um, where if can if Texas or if um, Oklahoma State loses and Oklahoma loses, and then Kansas State wins, then Kansas State would go to the Big Twelve Championship. It, it's just a it's a really giant tangled mess, and they're kind of rewriting the rules this year a little bit in terms of breakers, um, just because they've never had this many teams. It's kind of a wild situation, and then if Texas loses, everything kind of goes wildly up in the air. And I'm not even trying to break those down for you, but the, the Big Twelve will obviously somehow get settled on Saturday. Um, we'll have to see who the other opponent is after the ball games happen. One more game on Black Friday, Brett, and this is going to be a late night fantastic ball game um this is for oregon to clinch their spot into the pac-12 championship game they are at home the civil war oregon versus oregon state oregon is a 13 and a half point favorite like i said if oregon wins they're into the pac-12 championship if they lose this game and arizona wins little known fact to most people but arizona would actually go to the pac-12 championship game to face washington if that happens um are you scared at all for Oregon in this ballgame?
1: Personally, I'm not. Um, I know you might be because I know you how much you love Oregon State. Uh, I, I still think Oregon State's a good team, but I think Bo Nix and the Ducks are a completely different beast. Um, if it weren't for that game in Seattle, they would be undefeated. They would be right up there with the talks with Michigan and um, Georgia as favorites to be national title contenders because Bo Nix has looked so good this year, and I think he continues that this week. Um, It's a civil war. It's very important to the teams, the fans, everyone in the state of Oregon, Um, and it's in Eugene. Uh, The odds are stacked up against the Beavs. So, give me the Ducks here and give me them to cover. I think Bo Nix makes a statement here.
0: I am on. I'm with you that Oregon wins this game. I don't see a world that they lose it. Um, I do think that Oregon State can keep this game closer than the 13 and a half. That just seems like a lot in a rivalry game with a very solid Oregon State team. But with this game being in Eugene, I'm with you, Brett. Bo Nix and crew. Bo Nix is trying to play for a Heisman. He's trying to do a trying to have a uh, last second push there from uh, Jaden Daniels in uh, down in Baton Rouge. I I think that I think Daniels technically took on the the Vegas odds favorite to win the Heisman going into this week. I imagine that will flip after the Pac twelve championship game. If you had to ask me who's going to win the Heisman, you got to think it's one of the whoever wins out of. Bo Nix and Michael Penix wins the Pac-12, right? That that's probably your Heisman winner.
1: That's what I would assume at this moment. Yeah,
0: yeah. That I think that uh, both of them are, are very worthy. It's just whoever wins that game in Vegas. Let's go to the game that everybody is talking about. The game that everybody, frankly, has probably looked forward to this entire season. It's looks like it's going to live up to the hype. It's number two versus number three. I want to say this is the. The third straight year that these teams are undefeated coming into it, it's at least the second straight. I can't remember if oh, three years ago if they were also undefeated coming into this game. I think that this is a college football playoff game in a sense. I think that the loser of this game is eliminated from the college football playoff uh, contention of getting into those final four spots. Michigan is a three-point favorite hosting the Buckeyes. Obviously no Jim Harbaugh. Um, Michigan has bullied Ohio State for two straight years this game is in Ann Arbor Brett who do you have in this game
1: this one is such a coin flip for me Um, I think both these teams are very good they obviously both have a ton of talent on their rosters and I want to pick Michigan here because they're at home And I think that place is going to be rocking and rolling. But something in my heart tells me that Ryan Day is going to have the boys fired up and ready to play, ready to silence all the doubters about them losing to Michigan and him not being able to beat Michigan. So I'm going to take Ohio State here to win.
0: Dang it, Brett. This was supposed to be my. I was so hoping you'd think Michigan because this was gonna be my not so fast moment. Um, I, I just think that we just we just saw the first scratches in the armor look like for Michigan, which maybe that's the game that wakes them up and they play great this week. But I think that Ohio State, the last two years were built on speed and athleticism. This team is defense focused first. Um, they are slightly more physical. They're not as physical as Michigan, but the, the defense has given them an edge that they haven't had the last couple of times that they played Michigan. I think that they will be able to muck this game up, keep it close. I definitely love them with the plus three points. And I think that they might be able to sneak their way out of Ann Arbor with a, with a victory here. I, you just If you had to ask me which team I think is playing better right now, I, I would say it's Ohio State. It's not by a large margin, but... I would say, say it's Ohio State if you had to to take a guess. And I, I will say that out of these two teams, if I had to take a shot at which team I thought was better in terms of trying to knock off Georgia and Alabama in the playoff, then absolutely I think I would choose Ohio State of which team I'd be more confident in uh, trying to, to go out and win a national championship between these two teams. Which would uh, who do you think would be more uh, suited, well suited for a playoff run between Michigan or Ohio State?
1: Um, between those two teams, I'm still gonna have to go Ohio State. Um, I think well. Deep- we're seeing
0: we're, we're seeing eye to eye, then.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's so tough. I. They're they're so identical when you look at them. Um, their offense run a little bit different style. Um, Ohio State more of that sling it out offense. Michigan more to the ground and pound, but they, they both do each at a high level. So I really, I really don't know. I, I'm going to go yeah, Ohio State right. just because I picked them to win the game, but I think either could make noise in the playoff.
0: We will see. It will be a fantastic one up in Ann Arbor. I'm sure it'll be another instant classic. And before we pick next game for as we are recording this live, um, our prediction was correct that Washington did jump Florida State into the number four spot in the college football playoff rankings. So that means that the top three are go unchanged: Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Then you have Washington there at five, Florida or at four, Washington. Or Florida State there at five, sorry. And then Oregon sitting there at six going into this weekend. Um, let's jump Brett right to let's go to the Iron Bowl. Um, Auburn coming off of a disaster, like we mentioned, against New Mexico State, hosting Alabama, who is easily playing their best football of the year on a roll. The tide come in as a 14 and a half point road favorite going down to Jordan Hare. Is there any world that Auburn pulls off a
1: shock this week? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I'm not going to make this my lock of the week that Alabama covers this, but I'm very confident that Alabama covers that spread. Um, I think they're a far and away a better team than Auburn is. And I, I don't think I don't think there's any way that Auburn even makes this close, to be honest. They might, they might back toward a touchdown or two and make it seem a little closer, but this, this game is going to be all Alabama all the way.
0: Yeah. I, I'm a little surprised at how low this is. It, it, you know what it feels like it kind of feels like with the Tennessee Georgia game last week, where the number is just way lower than what you would expect it to be. Um, Teams are going in opposite directions. I, I'm with you. I think that I think that Bama rolls this. It's probably not going to be pretty. Uh, Saban knows that really weird things happen down there in uh, down on the planes. I think he wants no mess with that. So I, I'm with you. I think Bama rolls probably by 24 in this game. This probably will not be a very close one. I'm not really even going to go over Tennessee's rivalry game, Brett. They're, they've got Vanderbilt coming in. They're 27 point favorites. I wouldn't touch that number with a ten foot pole. I do think that the balls are in no danger of losing this game this weekend. So the balls should be able to pick up their eighth win and go off to a bowl game. Let's jump to let's go to the let's go to the Apple Cup, right? We mentioned it, Washington State coming in uh, five and six. Washington State, so they got to go win again this week to get themselves ball eligibility. Going on the road uh to Seattle. Washington is a 16 and a half point favorite. Massive, massive number there, Brett. Um what do you think happen or do you think Washington State can cover? I'm guessing we're pro, we both got Washington winning. The better question is do they cover?
1: Um I, I think they probably do cover to be honest. That's a huge spread. For a rivalry game, especially with how much these teams throw the ball. Um but Washington is gonna they're going to win the game. They're going to find a way. Um, but I, I will say Washington State covers this. It's just a huge number. Um,
0: three scores. Wow. Uh, you know, we can't agree on everything here, Brett. So give me Washington just so we can be different, but I'm not very confident in my pick. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Washington wins this game. Uh let's go let's go to Gainesville, Brett. um we you said that you're not very worried about Florida State losing this game. They are a six and a half point favorite going on the road to the swamp like we mentioned Florida's also playing with their backup quarterback. Florida cover this or you think Florida State wins this game by at least a touchdown?
1: I think Florida State probably wins by a touchdown. I think it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a huge offensive night by them. Uh, I think they're going to be able to pound the ball. Um, people forget how good of a running back they have. Um, I think they're going to be able to run it all over Florida's defense, to be completely honest. And they probably win by 10, I would guess. Um, is this – this isn't a neutral side game, is it? No, it's in it's in Florida. No, this is
0: in – yeah, it's in, in
1: Gainesville. It's so, a
0: night game in the swamp. Um I'm sure it'll be a rocking crowd, but I really see this game come one of two ways. I think that either Florida State like rolls in this game and wins by wins by ten to fourteen points, or I think Florida squeaks out a win. Like uh, I don't really see a world where Florida loses a close game, if that makes sense. I, I just kind of see it going one way or the other. So I think it will be a fun one to watch on Saturday night, though. It'll probably be the best of the night slate, unless. Unless South Carolina wants to do something awfully crazy down there at williams Bryce. and, well, I guess it's not that crazy, but they did beat Clemson last year, trying to hand Clemson their fifth loss of the season. South Carolina is trying to become bowl-eligible. Clemson is a seven-point favorite going down there to williams Bryce, which, from personal experience at night, is not an easy place to go win. Um, Who do you have in this one?
1: I got Clemson here. Um I've been hating on them all year, but the past few weeks have kind of proved me wrong, and they seem to have a little bit of life. And I think they make another step here and beat South Carolina. Huge rivalry game they're going to be pissed off about last year, and I think they, they get the job done this year.
0: I want to take South Carolina the point. is so bad, but all they've done the last two weeks is they beat a lifeless Vanderbilt team, and they beat a very bad Kentucky team very, very barely last week. Um this Clemson team has been a very different team ever since Tyler from Spartanburg decided to call in and call out Davo Sweeney. Uh, maybe that was just the push that this team needed to to rally and, and get through the rest of the year. But yeah, I'm with you, Brad. I think that Clemson think the Clemson gets this job done. And I do think that they they I could see Davo wanting to go for a little extra style points at the end of the game and make sure that they get the cover. Um make his fan base very happy brett last thing here before we jump out we've got to do our gimme's of the week last week of the year for the gimmies. you stand one game ahead you are eight and three i am seven and four on my picks on our gimme's this season um i will give you mine first Mine is. I already mentioned them in the last segment. The hottest team in the country, Arizona Wildcats, going on the road to Tempe, Arizona. Going down to Arizona State. They are a ten and a half point favorite. This is not a very good Arizona State team. Uh, this is a Arizona team with everything in the world to play for. They're just rocking and rolling. Very, very good football team. I think they roll. I think they go down there and they roll in the desert. So give me Arizona to cover that 10 and a half number. Brett, who is your gimme this week?
1: Well, you took mine. <laughs> what? We were going to have the same one? I love that. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that call, Kylie. Um, I'm looking through the board for my new gimme of the week because I'm not having the same one as you. That's, that's too – that's no. – What are the I odds
0: mean. of that, man? I can't believe that. I don't think that's happened all year that we wanted to call the same game. Uh, Actually, it did happen. The first week of the season, we both lost.
1: Okay, well, even more reason for me not to pick that. Um. Oh, boy. I don't love the board this week either.
0: It's really not. a. It's kind of a tight and wild, wild one. You can go back to Alabama if you want to go take the Tide. As I'm talking you into your own
1: pick. I'm going to go with the Wisconsin Badgers to cover the two and a half point spread over Minnesota. I think Minnesota's a bad team this year. I think Wisconsin's slightly better. I don't think they're great by any means, but I think they beat Minnesota. In the body oh, like Paul I... Bunyan Axe
0: what a great trophy by the way like a top top five trophy
1: for sure it really is it really is it's a like, oh my gosh oh
0: love that pick for you brett well this has been a very very fun regular season next week brett we are going to have Obviously, the recap of Rivalry Week. We are going to have the preview of the uh, conference championship game slate. So, we'll obviously have the five uh, Power Five conference championship games, as well as a couple of the group of fives might be interesting to talk about. Plenty, plenty to discuss as we get there and go into the last games before the playoff rankings. This season's flown by, Brett, but enjoy it this week it's gonna be a fun one um let's let's hope for a husker sixth win and uh then we can we can see where the huskers might land in a bowl game
1: go big red and go vols appreciate everyone all have a
0: great thanksgiving and we will be back with you next week